0: Here comes the... Here comes the... Here comes Y'all don't really worry
1: like. Here comes the... here comes the... here comes the... you don't really worry like.
2: Here comes the... here comes the... here comes the... Y'all don't really now. I said so I keep big bills up in my heart on the dirty like blood
3: so ain't got no. Hey there. Welcome. Once again, we are the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast, and we're back in action uh, with the entire team. All four of us, the regulars, are here on this episode for you. And once again, we have a guest on the show. We are just keeping these guests rolling in one by one, week after week, getting you guys the best fantasy info there is out there. So our guest on today's show is Heath Cummings from CBS Sports, also an analyst slash host of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I think I got that right. And uh, he's also a guy who just trimmed his awesome beard, and I'm pretty disappointed about it.
4: So, Heath, h- how are you doing today? I promise you, you are not as disappointed as I am. This, was, uh, this has happened a couple of times in my life where I've grown it out to the desired length and then had to cut it down. And it's, it's really sad. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I almost cried. So uh, Heath and I actually met at the FSTA conference
3: for just a a brief amount of time. And we also chatted uh, chatted with Mike Wright about beards. We had a whole beard conversation. uh, And uh, Mike was was disappointed that I had to shave my beard for a job I had just been employed to. And so I'm sure he's just as disappointed in you. I think I saw him on Twitter hit you up as well.
4: He was openly oh, yeah. disappointed on Twitter with my beard decision. He told me to not let them win. I assume them is the people that pay me, and I'm going to <laughs> let them win. <laughs>
1: yeah, they they sign the paychecks, right? So,
4: but they win. win. They
1: win
3: this round. They win this round. But the beard always wins in the end. So, anyway, we're here today, and we're going to talk about some undervalued or sleeper running backs that you can draft in your 2018 seasons for fantasy football. Uh, we're, we got a lot of great names on this list here, but before we jump into that, uh, we have a th- few things we want to go through. You know, last episode, I, I had a little bit of a power outage issue, and I think Matt Okada took over reading a review for us, and I'm, I'm just going to say it, he, he did better than I could ever do. So Matt, I, I want you to read this awesome review, it's from one of our own at, at TFA, so give, give her a shout out real quick.
0: I don't know how great of a compliment it is that I can read well, but I'll take it. So this one comes in from T.A. Canavari, which is Taylor. She's uh, uh, We know her on Twitter. Interact with her a good amount. Uh, Poised for Breakout Season is the name of the review. Five stars. Lovely. And it says, Instantly added to my rotation from the first episode. Easily digestible fantasy information. Not just an hour of regurgitated stats. Awesome chemistry, great guests, and just a quality fantasy football podcast. Off-season episodes have been great listens. Excited to follow you guys through with in-season content.
1: Ugh, don't you love Taylor? Lovely. Don't you love Thank her? You, I do. Everybody, yeah, go follow her. Best. Go find Taylor and follow her. She is one of the best.
0: She's without These a doubt one of the people are so nice.
3: She's one of the funniest people on Twitter too. I, I yeah. just everything she says is hilarious, and and I love following her so. Go give her a follow. Thank you very much, Taylor, for that review. That was super awesome. And uh, we definitely appreciate it. I don't know if we we deserve that much praise, but we're definitely working towards it and getting better every day. So uh, thank you very much. But without any further ado...
0: I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
3: All right, today uh, was a decently I mean there was some news today you know nothing too major some stuff that's yeah there's some like implications of it a little bit but uh the first big deal was that uh Le'Veon Bell is going to be playing on the franchise tag once again it went right down to the wire and you know there's always that chatter about oh they were so close to getting a deal done and of course they never got it done and you know people have gone back and forth about whether or not he's going to sit out part of this year uh if he's going to play all 16 games and kind of show him up or help him. I mean, he said he's going to have the best season of his career. Uh, Do you guys have any, uh, you know, insight into what this bell news means for him?
2: I'll go ahead and jump in. I I wanted to kind of just put this out there that I'm, I'm very high on bell as my one this year above Gurley, And I think that this is a huge reason why Um, he's playing on the tag. It's going to be his last year in Pittsburgh. Sorry, Jen Um, that, That time is coming to an end uh, here soon. So if it's going to be his last year, they're going to absolutely ride him into the ground and kind of just get their money's worth, essentially, um, with kind of paying him the tag money. So with the workload that he's getting and, you know, how incredible that offense usually is, um, I have him as my number one over, over Gurley for that reason. So just to point that out.
1: I think people are worried, though, because of that, might Bell not play all the games because he gets hurt this year. He's, I mean, he's in trouble. He just shot himself in the foot and holding out. And so I think that's why people are so concerned. Uh, On the Pittsburgh side, yeah, I think they want to use him. He has appeased the fans, and I'm a fan, obviously. And so him, you know, Bell coming out and saying, don't worry, this will be my best season ever. I want to believe him. I think that's why he's saying it, because all of them are in our shoes of just, are you going to start skipping games? We know you're going to hold out training camp. And so there's a lot of... uh, concerned fantasy owners and just fans. So I'm not really sure what's going to go down.
4: I think I agree with both sides of that. Like I do think Pittsburgh's, I was a little bit concerned if they signed him to a three or four year deal. Wait, are they only going to give him 300 touches a year, (laughs) which is fine, (laughs) but probably drops him down to number three. If that's the case, I do think this adds a little more risk. I, I don't really think there is very much chance at all that he decides at the beginning of the year. I'm going to skip games and give up a million dollars over and over and over again. That seems super unrealistic to me. But if it's a situation where in week six he tweaks his ankle and he normally would have just played through it, does he decide he's not going to?
0: And missing training camp is never really ideal. These guys are trying to get back into football shape or at least 100% football shape before they go out there on the field and start taking real hits and real cuts and all that stuff. So I'm not... I'm not too concerned about him uh, holding out of games on purpose, but sitting out training camp, maybe being a little less than full speed when he starts the season—that's a little more of a concern to me. And I, I yeah, do we think that exactly yeah. plan out last year, and,
2: and I don't know if anyone has the numbers up in front of them, but does anyone have like how he started the first? let's say like month of the season, like the first four weeks, because I know he came out. Of he the started
3: slow. It was
2: slow. Yeah, definitely slow, definitely slow. And then kind of picked it up. Pulling so up that's quick. a great point, Okada. I think that his ability to kind of like transition into football shape um, will definitely be hindered if he's out of camp for the entire time, which he probably will be.
1: Yeah. He had 10 rushes. The first, it was against Cleveland. He had 10 rushes for 32 yards and three receptions for 15 yards. So week one was a little bit, not so great. Second week, they gave him 27 carries against Minnesota he got eighty-seven yards uh that game, but again, no touchdowns. And then he started to get his groove uh about week three. Some scoring. So yeah, it was a little bit of a slow start.
3: Well, anyway, I, th- I think it's something to keep an eye on. I you know, keep an eye on the news chatter about that, whether or not he sits or not. I, I don't think it's likely that he sits at this point, but it's definitely still a possibility in some sense. So definitely, definitely just keep tracking that story a little bit as we get up to the closer to the beginning of the season. Uh, up next, we do have an extension, and that was for wide receiver Brandon Cooks, now with the L.A. Rams after his uh, trade from the Patriots. So he got extended five years, $80 million. That is a pretty big contract, especially for a dude that's now on his third team in, what, four years? Is that is that right, I think? Somewhere three like that. Even, three he years, even, because technically was only it's on the Patriots three. for a year. Yeah, yeah that's right. So, I, that's a lot of money to to commit to a guy who granted he he plays great. I mean his his numbers show that he's outstanding on the field, but I you know, maybe there's a reason he's on three different teams in that period of time. It's it's kind of interesting. I I'm not really sure what I think about it, but they they sure wanted him and they want to keep him. I think they're going to run into some cap problems here in, in a year or two, but um I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Brandon Cooks is outstanding but I, I don't know how he's going to fit into that offense as far as being like a top-tier
4: wide receiver one for them.
0: And I don't I get know confused. if anybody... Uh, oh, go ahead, Heath.
4: I, I get confused about how we're supposed to react to this because I know that when guys are going into a contract year, we're supposed to pretend like they're going to try harder. <laughs> so now that he got all this money, are we supposed to expect him to kind of breathe a sigh of relief and and just coast? I, I, I It's not going to change my ranking of him. Yeah, no. No, I... Mean,
0: I, I I would agree with that. I, I don't know if any of you guys saw the video a while back when he first got there of Sean McVay talking to all his different coaches and players and saying, Oh my gosh, did you see how fast that guy is? He's so fast. Um, and apparently he's showed well enough in practice to earn an entire contract without playing a single game for them. So I think that they obviously intend to utilize him. And I think maybe there's something to be said for Cooks is better as an NFL asset even than a fantasy asset um so that could play into a little bit he's a field stretcher obviously he can be a little inconsistent for fantasy but some of what he really does for the offense doesn't really necessarily show up in his numbers so that might play into it a bit but certainly they seem to like him so I like what he could do in that offense are are you talking about
2: I missed it can you say again what did uh what did coach McVay say
0: Something to the effect of, oh, my goodness, he's so fast. Look at how fast that man is. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> I,
2: I, I couldn't tell if you were
4: talking about Brandon Cooks or Sammy Watkins.
0: Yeah. All right.
3: <laughs> yeah, actually, this did, it is kind of an interesting juxtaposition um, considering they let go of Sammy Watkins and brought in Brandon Cooks and gave him this contract. So you'd think that they have some kind of comparative you know, reasoning there. And I, I'm personally still a Sammy fan, and I think he's going to be great for the Chiefs. But yeah, I think th- I think that's really all there is to say about that. It's just an interesting little wrinkle, uh, something fun to talk about. But this last one's a little interesting. I think this popped up literally five minutes before we started this show. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones was arrested and charged with assault, disorderly conduct, and criminal trespassing in Scottsdale, Arizona, this past Saturday. So. What it sounds like is he was at a hotel, he tried to use the bathroom, couldn't go there, went to some sushi restaurant, tried to go there and they wouldn't let him, so he pushed him out of the way. And then they, the cops were called. So it sounds like it's not that big of a deal, but you know, an arrest is something noteworthy. So, you know, a lot of people had him pegged as a sleeper this year, you know, a late round tight end that could pay off and frankly those are few and far between sometimes. So, it sucks to have one of them, you know, deal with an issue like this right before training camp but does that does anyone think that this is suspension worthy
2: at this point I never know what's a suspension and what's not in the NFL (laughs) that That is fair you can do something crazy and not get punished and then do something minor and you're out for half the season so um I don't know I honestly have no idea
1: Maybe it'll deter people and then I'll finally start getting him again as a late sleeper because he was his his uh, hype train was picking up and his you know people were starting to snipe him from me when I was watching him in draft. So he's not any anybody that um, is being being slept on. I get see I, like that came out all wrong, but anyway. <laughs> people aren't sleeping on him anymore. There we go. That's yeah, a better way to true. say that. Yeah, <laughs> it'll keep his value in
3: check a little bit, so
1: <laughs> Right. Yeah.
3: Okay, well, that's that's all we have for news today. So, again, not too much, but something a little bit interesting there. Now, up next, we are going to be playing a little bit of a game that I have arranged for you guys today, and I haven't told you any of these details yet. So, this is kind of interesting. It'll be fun to see how you guys do. Now, this is kind of relevant to what we're talking about today, and that's sleeper running backs. So, we're looking at 2017, just this last season. There are six running backs that were top 24 in the position in a PPR league that were drafted in round 8 or later and that includes undrafted players. So, once we're going to once we get going here, I'm going to give you a second to think about it. You can start naming names and if you get it right, I'm going to give you a second opportunity to say what their draft spot was. Oh and if you're my. with and oh if you're gosh. within 6 picks on either side, I'll give you a bonus point. So, ooh Begin naming names. There are six remaining running backs.
1: Hunt, Kareem Hunt.
3: No, Hunt. Well, by the time the did season did, where get around, hurt already? Up up. Alvin Damn. Kamara. Yeah. Kamara is one of them. Heath, that is correct. You get a point. Now, up next, I want you to guess what his draft spot was, including the uh, the actual pick. Ooh, nine point six. No, that is too early. He was twelve oh eight. Wow, twelve oh eight, and this is according to fantasy football calculator. So. Uh, if, if it was a little bit different on other sites, it may be, but we're going by that for this. So, that is one All point right. for Heath, and there are five remaining running backs. Continue. Duke Nine Johnson.
0: Th- oh. Duke Johnson knew is it. the knew second
3: player. That is correct. <laughs> so, Duke Johnson, where was he drafted, Betts?
2: 1304.
3: And Ooh, you earlier. went way too late. He was 8-10. <laughs> he was to be drafted in the wow. eighth round. So, that was a good Alex guess. Alex Collins. So. Alex Collins is number six on this list. I went by uh, how they end up at the end of the season. So that is correct. Where was he drafted?
0: Undrafted.
3: That is correct. That is a bonus point for Matt Okada. He is up two to Heath's Dion Lewis. That's... Dion Lewis <laughs> is correct. I didn't even finish saying the scores, but that's all right. <laughs> We're just kind of rolling with this one. So uh,
4: where was he drafted, Heath? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, 13.4. 13.4. Twelve viewers. Oh, oh,
3: right. yeah. That was a good guess. That was a good <laughs> guess. Rest, I think he should get the point. He was yeah, in you know the what? round. I'll, I'll give. You, yeah, actually, maybe we do, we'll do that. We'll just go in the round. Gets the bonus points So, all right, there are two remaining running backs. Shoot.
1: So they hit the top twenty-five, but they were drafted
0: twenty-four. Uh, 24, twenty-four,
3: like an RB two or better.
1: And they PPR were-
0: or non-PPR. PPR. Tevin Coleman. There's no cheating and researching, right? No no cheating. Oh no yeah.
1: shit, really? <laughs> okay. So oh, it's okay. It. It's okay. It's not
3: a big deal. No, I'm gonna come get you. You you're disqualified.
1: I did not cheat. Tevin This right. is probably
2: a big reach. Corey Clement? No, that is uh, no. was
3: not on the list. And right, ended you hint.
1: number forty five, by the way. I'll give you a hint. Oh, yeah, they both oh,
3: God. they both changed teams this last offseason. A nope. No oh, McKinnon, in the offseason. In the offseason. McKinnon? McKinnon is correct. McKinnon is correct. That wow, is number, he was top 24. Number four on the list. Yes, he was 10.9 points per game in PPR leagues. And wow. uh, so, Jen, where was he drafted? 709. I don't
1: know. I have
3: no idea. Jarek McKinnon was undrafted last really? year. Really? Isaiah wow. Cruel. Uh, Isaiah Cruel is not correct. There's I'll one give, more. There's one more guy. They and both changed teams. I'll give you a one last, final hint here. He is the eternal running back, Frank too. Gore. Frank yeah, oh. Frank Gore. That oh, is Frank. correct. Frank Gore. So those. Uh, oh, oh, real quick before we go uh, to the end here, you have a chance to tie Heath. I have no tiebreaker, so oh. I really hope you don't do it. Um, <laughs> what uh, What round was Frank Gore drafted in last year? The ninth. It was. Eight oh two, 2 And actually, I think I made a mistake huh. when we started this game. I think I said round 10 or later. It's actually round 8 or later. So No, anyway. you said that. You said that. It. Did I say I that? Mean, okay, I, perfect.
1: I honestly didn't even hear that part. So, there you go. Okay.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure you said it right. So, those were, you know, a few guys that you could have hit later in the drafts that ended up paying out really well for you on the season. So, just something to keep in mind as we go through this episode that Did you Heath could hit win? one of these guys. Yeah, Heath won with three points. We had Okada and Betts with two and Jen with one. So... That was a fun little game. Thanks for uh, taking part in that. I think that went pretty well. So um, now now that we've talked about some running backs from last year, we got to step forward into 2018. We got to find out who these sleepers are for this year. So Heath, you are our honored guest. And I know there's a guy that you like a lot this year. Now, I don't know if you want to go with him first or save him for last, but it's up to you. Uh, give me one of your running back sleepers for this year and why and why you think he's uh,
4: got potential to break out. I'll go ahead and go with him first. It's hashtag Team Geo, Giovanni Bernard. And the thing is, like he has been the best running back in Cincinnati, definitely for the first three years of his career, and they just never gave him all of the touches. But even when they didn't give him all the touches, Giovanni Bernard was a top 25 running back in both formats. And I don't know that much has really changed. Last year, listen, there's a, there's a, the last two years look a little bit weird when you look at the season... Numbers. But he played 10 games two years ago and actually had one of his best seasons on a per game basis. Last year they had three running backs. I'm okay with throwing that out, other than the fact that he was the most productive back on a per touch, per carry, and per reception basis. I'm not saying for sure that Giovanni Bernard is just better than Joe Mixon. I don't think we've seen enough of Joe Mixon to know that for sure. But what I do know is Giovanni Bernard is going to be a big part of the game plan since he's been in Cincinnati no lead back, air quotes, has gotten more than 55% of the rush attempts in Cincinnati. Not Jeremy Hill, even during his big year, not Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, not Joe Mixon last year. So I think the floor for Gio is about 10 spots in the running back rankings higher than he's being drafted. And the ceiling is another top 20 season.
1: So you think all this kind of Mixon's going to get more carries. Mixon's going to be the guy this year. You think that's all just crap, right? Like, I think think Gio's going to be just as involved as he's always been in that offense.
4: I think he will get more carries than Gio because Jeremy Hill always did too. But I don't know necessarily that he will be more productive. I don't expect he will be more productive with those carries. The evidence we have is Giovanni Bernard's on the field. He's a good football player.
1: And they just paid him out, right? They just paid him a good deal, right?
4: I don't think. I think this is is a contract year, so he's going to try really hard.
1: Oh yeah, I
2: think. I I like those.
1: I like contract years. I know. Don't they? Didn't they come out saying that it's you know bunk and it's almost entirely research? Yeah. It's It's okay to still like it though. though. Feels true. Oh yeah.
3: (laughs) Well, he's just so consistent in the receiving game there that even if they wanted to use Mixon, you know, as a lead back, so to speak, that. No matter what happens, he has a PPR floor, and he's always playable in some sense. So, like you said, he's just consistent and solid in that offense, and, and that role is not going to change at all for him. So, I'm on board with that. What what did we say his ADP was this year?
4: Uh, it's like a 144, I think, on Fantasy Pros.
3: Yeah. On, on, I just have Fantasy Football Calculator pulled up. He's going in the 11th round, at the end yeah. of the 11th yeah. round in, in wow. half point. So, that's... Yeah. That's insane. The
4: thing I, the thing, the wow. other thing about him that's so different because people take Chris Thompson in PPR, people take Duke Johnson long before they take Gio Bernard. If there's an injury in Washington or an injury in Cleveland, neither of those guys are getting a workhorse role. Last year, Joe Mixon goes out. Jeremy Hill was already finally gone. Gio got thirty touches, went for one hundred and sixty-six yards and a touchdown. If there's an injury to Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard is a top fifteen running back.
1: And isn't yeah. that what we're looking at with sleepers? We're looking at guys that might have standalone value, but that if an injury happens or something happens, an opportunity happens, they're the ones that are going to have the door to having a lot more touches and a lot more relevance on their offenses. I, the upside there. He's yeah. going, I just checked, Gio is going a full three rounds after Chris Thompson, after That's Duke. Nuts. Isn't that? In half PPR. Well, they, He's and going so I was in the 11th say- round.
3: And I was gonna say that the other guys on in that backfield, if Mixon were to go down, are Mark Walton and Brian Hill, who guys that aren't really any kind of you know special running back situation. They don't have any really receiving chops compared to Geo. They don't touch him, so that only makes his value even sweeter. You know, they'll just go more snaps for Geo even if it's in a similar play style. So I'm I'm all I'm all about that. That's an awesome pick.
1: I didn't realize he was going that low. To be honest, I really didn't realize it.
3: Well, that's uh, that was some good info. I I'm gonna go ahead and throw my guy next. I'm next on the list, so I'll just throw my guy out. And it's a guy that I've been in love with all off season. If you see me on Twitter, I've 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 said it many times. And it's it's not just because we share the same first name. It's not. I promise. But it's Kenneth Dixon. Yeah, and he's he's one of my favorites. And now I know what you're saying. You're you're like, he, well, he didn't play last year. It was Buck Allen and Alex Collins. And you know, you've, even if he shows back up, Alex Collins is gonna take over everything. I don't think so, because first things first, there's enough room in that backfield for two running backs. There's in more than enough room the way that the Ravens use their running back uh, committee. So I believe that Kenneth Dixon has some incredible pass-catching chops. He's one of the better yards-after-the-catch type of running backs. I, I have some some nerdy statistical information with expected points added and that he Shocking. was – Yeah, I know. I'm a super huge nerd. But let me pull this up real quick. So – um in 2016 when he was playing he was eighth among among all meaning running backs wide receivers tight ends or excuse me i have to i have to look back on this it's
1: (laughs) wait wait kent right are you sure yeah
3: reading reading my own horribly written (laughs) notes is is the biggest issue here so um he was second in average rush epa in 2016 so that means that every time a play happened, there's a certain expectation for how a running back should do on average. He exceeded that average more often than not. And so this is kind of a stat that's used for tracking that. So he was also 31st among running backs in expected points added added from yards after the catch. And that's, you know, he had really limited work. He only had like 30 receptions. But, you know, he has that talent. The talent is there. I think he can beat Buck Allen with without any real issue, I think Buck Allen is pretty pedestrian as far as a running back goes. He kind of plays the the satellite back to Alex Collins just because he's he was really the only person there after the injury to Kenneth Dixon, who, by the way, avoided the pup list heading into training camp. So that's a good sign for his knee. And maybe Betts has some, you know, more more insight into that injury. But as far as I'm aware, his knee is ready to roll. And, you know, they have according to sharp football stats the fifth easiest running back schedule going into this year now that that changes a little bit and offseason strength of schedule is a little bit sketchy but um, sharp you know does a pretty good job of mitigating any of that that change that happens uh, based on previous year stats so he's good at that stuff and I, I'm all in on Ken Dixon I, I draft him in Scott fishbowl of course naturally and uh, I'm ready to go and grab him in any sort of PPR format because yeah, I think that he's going to beat buck allen and i think that him and collins are going to split that backfield
2: yeah his and i'll just jump in real quick kent his uh, his knee should be totally fine he has a history of some mcl injuries the medial collateral ligament um, which runs on the inside part of your knee um, but when that's torn that ligament heals extremely well without surgery um, within about six weeks so it's got great blood supply so it can heal without having to take a season off and and end kind of your year and then have question marks leading into the next year. So he should be good to go on that front. He also had a torn meniscus that ended his season last year, uh, right before training camp started. Um, He had surgery on that to repair it. So sometimes when the meniscus is torn in the knee, which is just kind of a little rim of cartilage that sits inside your two knee bones, um, when it's injured, they can either go in and just take a piece out or they can repair it. Um, His surgery was to repair it. And so it's definitely a longer rehab, and it's it's pretty slow actually. You have to be pretty conservative, so and it usually takes upwards of a year before they're back to sport. And so, you know, he tore that last year um, in late July, I believe it was. So we're right at that one year mark. All signs point to him being good to go for training camp and for week one.
3: I just realized I need to download a drop for you bets. I gotta I gotta have the song Doctor Doctor. Give me the news. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get that. Yes. I gotta play that every time I need you to jump in with your. your now that's gonna be my head, stuff. Kent. This whole yeah, time. you're welcome. You're welcome.
1: Not cool. Do it. The question is, with Dixon, can he keep his nose clean? Right, because with him, it's not just injuries; it's off the field stuff. He's let that get in his way, and they have stuck with him. I feel like this has got to be the last year that they invest. If he gets into any other uh, any other stuff, they're gonna have to cut the cord. Right? I mean. Yeah, right. I mean
3: he's a he's a fourth-round running back, so he's, you know, they got him for 4 years, uh, drafted in 2016. So he'd be this year and next year. Uh he does and and just to clarify, I I know you guys probably know, but he he had some suspensions pile up and they actually he served them while he was injured last year. So he's he's ready to play. I mean, he he can start week 1 and play if if they want him to.
2: That's a pro move right there. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very crafty. Hmm.
4: Can he, well, back, can he handle the fullback? Can he handle the fullback dive from the one like Buck Allen though? Because they really like that play. Line up Alex Collins in the backfield, run him on a toss, and then just give it to Buck Allen for no gain. I, no, for no gain. See, that's a that, skill. That's the difference. <laughs> I mean, so there is
2: real quick. There was a league last year that I was playing in. It was deep teams. I think it was like sixteen team league. I had Buck Allen, and I remember watching that one game <laughs> on Thursday Night Football where he handed the ball at him to him at the one yard line twice and then he friggin' fumbled it like into the end zone so I know exactly what you're talking about with that <laughs> freaking goal line dive and ironically I lost that week of course so. they, they didn't stop yeah, running Allen. that play
4: after that they they continued to try that throughout the season didn't work no
3: yeah I'm excited about his talent but let, let's go ahead and jump over to the next person so Okada uh, I want you to talk about your next running back sleeper
0: all right so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to my second guy first and come back to my first guy because I love him so much. Second guy is Mr. TJ Yeldon, which probably not an interesting name to just about anybody. Very I little love spice this. there. I like oh. it a lot. Love it. All right. Yeah. So he's going right now in the fifteenth round, so he's about as free as he can get. Zero. That's probably even undrafted in some league sizes. Um this is a early second round guy in twenty fifteen out of Alabama. Jaguars grabbed him. And he kind of, when he was coming out of college, was profiled more as like a versatile rotational back, not a lot of meat on the bones at the time. So maybe not the guy who's going to play a Leonard Fournette type role where he's pounding it 200 times a year, uh, but he's got solid pass catching chops and he's actually showed pretty decently in the opportunities he's had uh, over the past couple years. He handled 182 carries in 12 games as a rookie, averaged 4.1 yards per carry He's never had less than 30 receptions uh, in the three years he's been in the league, despite averaging less than 13 games per season. Um, and his per-game average over a full season, if you project it out, is 50 catches, which he has done once. So when he stays on the field, and there is some concern there, uh, I'll talk about that in a second, but when he stays on the field, he's productive in the passing game, as well as being a decent runner. Now, as far as those injuries goes, it's been a smattering of mostly unrelated to each other, it seems like, lower extremity injuries, um, and it's actually more hampered his effectiveness when he's played than caused him to miss huge chunks of seasons or even that many games. So in that sense, if he can get healthy, it might not only give him a full season, but give him a more productive uh, output when he is playing. As we all know, Chris Ivory is gone, which shouldn't mean that much because he's Chris Ivory, but they gave him 112 carries, and he also had 21 catches last year. So, Yeldon could potentially eat up almost all of that. Uh, Very good chance he does. Pretty much makes him the handcuff there in uh, Jacksonville. And Fournette has dealt with some wear and tear injury issues uh, from college, even into the pros last year. So, it's possible he misses a few games if he goes down for any extended period. Yeldon's a guy who could actually step up, um, kind of like Geo, and take the first down and second down work and maybe even play a three-down role. So, he has both standalone value and potential handcuff value. Um, and again, he's going in the 15th round. So you're getting him for free or even just keeping an eye on him in waivers. But I would, I would grab him at the end of drafts and I did grab him the Scott Fishbowl. So I love me some Yeldon this year.
3: If you, if you strongly subscribe to like zero running back type of drafting, I think TJ Yeldon is a guy who could be a really strong, you know, wrap up your draft type of running back who could fill that fourth or fifth spot for you and uh, provide that PPR value. But it's uh you know he, like you said it, his injury risk is there and he he certainly has had a, a lot of injuries at you know whether or not that's a conditioning or training thing I'm not sure but uh you know it seems likely that he could probably miss one or two games this year but in the games that he plays provides a decent he he doesn't have much ceiling yeah, that's that's my biggest concern is he you know he's never going to really go out and you know you have like a crazy big game and two touchdowns for you. I, I just don't think that's super likely anyway. Um, but he's definitely a solid round out the roster type of guy. So I do like him in that sense.
1: And a Fournette. Yeah, and
2: you kind of brought it up there, Okada. So with with uh, Fournette's ankle, I mean, that's the that's the big concern, right, is that ankle. And he's got that history dating back to his days at LSU. Um, he's, he's had a history of high ankle sprains. So the bones that connect your lower leg together, um, there's a ligament that connects those those two bones, to make up your lower leg, and when that gets stretched, it doesn't always require surgery, and, and oftentimes that becomes an issue. Um, it gets to a point where it's stretched enough to create feelings of pain, discomfort, sometimes instability, um, but when it's completely torn, it does require surgery, so it's kind of that like middle ground of that degree and spectrum of kind of where it gets a little murky, um, so he's kind of living there, and, and doctors previously from his days at LSU has described it as chronic, um, so... I don't know exactly what they saw or what their, you know, their kind of reports and their studies showed, but if they're describing it as chronic, then I believe them because we've seen it, you know, in his first year in the league. So definitely good call on Yeldon. I wouldn't be shocked to see Fournette miss a couple games this year. That's
4: great stuff. And I I think this is cross positional, but this might be a hot take. I think Leonard Fournette is a bigger injury risk than Keenan Allen.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely.
2: 100%. 100%. 100%. I, that's not like nothing gets me like more upset than hearing people <laughs> call Keenan Allen injury Thank prone you.
1: Keenan's my boy. It is
2: absolutely zero truth to that. Um, I'm actually, spoiler alert, putting out a, an article for the fantasy footballers that should be released in the next day or two, highlighting whether or not certain guys are or are not injury prone. I kind of gave you my stance on Keenan, but um, our listeners are definitely going to want to check that out because. There's no way he's injury prone.
1: Absolutely. But you give someone what what did Fournette get last season, too? Two sixty carries-ish, right? And then yeah, maybe like thirty-ish right. receptions. So you give a guy that many touches. That's a lot of wear on the tire. So, and this is a guy that, yeah, they're gonna run the ball a lot to control the offense. And if they can say they're gonna let Bortles loose, that's not true. They're gonna run the ball, you know? And Yeldon's right behind an injury prone guy. So I love this pick. I really love it. So
3: him. I found a way. I actually looked up the splits while I was waiting there. Um, I found a way to enumerate the lack of upside on Yeldon that I would I would say is probably the biggest concern, in that last year he only had, let's see, let let me do some quick math. Seven touches, so six attempts and one target slash reception in the red zone, in the Oof. entire season. Oof. So that's rough. That's pretty rough. Uh, it's concerning, but you know if if you're looking for a between the twenties type of right. uh, player, then then yeah go For it, I'm just saying the upside might be a little lacking, but because we can't agree all the time, you know, we <laughs> gotta is, give
1: you, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but where is he going, right? Because we're, we're agreeing on guys that there's very minimal risk in the way of draft capital, right?
3: That's true, where, he costs right? basically nothing, so it's low risk, medium reward. I, I can at least admit that much.
1: <laughs> medium reward, I love it. You're gonna get a lukewarm. <laughs> Feeling, yeah, yeah. You know, round no, no, Geo Bernard, warm, not too hot, but he's great. You can want to give him. A he, hug. Is, he, he is
3: the unseasoned potatoes of the fantasy football world. <laughs> <laughs> he's just there. He's a
0: starch. You, you know, he's a starch. But you can live off potatoes, man. <laughs> I, I, love love potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> I love potatoes.
1: I love potatoes. I love unseasoned potatoes, but I can deal with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> All right. Um let let's jump over to Bets. Now, are you going to talk about food or are you going to talk about football? Cuz I think we should probably get back to football.
2: All right. I guess I could give a take on on food, but we'll hold that <laughs> for another time. Um I've got a guy who uh is is more or less the result of, of kind of what I don't like in front of him. So, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not a huge Peyton Barber believer, but I am definitely not a Ronald Jones believer. So, when you look at that depth chart kind of Peyton Barber is the the next de facto guy. Um, I've been vocal on this pod before about Ronald Jones. I'm, I'm just concerned about his ability to be a true three-down back in the NFL and, um, and handle that workload. He was productive in his senior year at, at USC, sure, but he was getting subbed out on third downs for a freshman pass catching back. So when you watch the guy run and when you watch him play, he definitely doesn't catch the ball well. Um, and he's just not a guy who consistently turns it out down after down after down. He will give you a big play every once in a while, but that's just not sustainable in the NFL. Um, He's got some vision issues, so we've seen him kind of run into the back of his line, and I just think that the game at the next level for him isn't going to translate the way that some people are hoping. Um, Jones is going in the fifth round, and for me, that's absolutely way too early uh, to take a risk like that in the fifth round on on Ronald Jones. So more or less uh, don't like Ronald Jones, and let's see what Peyton Barber can do if he gets some, some time. Take, but just kind of pulling it up. Last year, we saw Peyton Barber be pretty decent when he got some some full time work from weeks 13 to 17. Um, he averaged just above 16 touches per game. So the Bucks have, you know, shown at times that they're willing to give him the reins of the backfield and see what he can do. And he was he was okay, like I said, nothing you know amazing. But um, if if they do decide that Ronald Jones can't be the workhorse. You know halfway through the season and they give it a go early on i don't see any reason why peyton barber can't be the next man up um so again not a guy that i'm like in love with as a player but the opportunity i think at some point this season is going to be there and you can get peyton barber um, in the 14th round
3: my my only concern is that you know did, they drafted rojo and they got rid of doug martin so let's just call that like an even swap sort of <laughs> sort of sort of
1: <laughs> Do so um, you agree with me? Uh, yeah. I, oh, well, it Dougie. depends.
3: What what year is it? Is it every third year? Because if that's the case, <laughs> oh. then Doug Martin's ready to go off. Um, You're just bringing but, up and,
1: a lot of stuff for all of us. I think just Doug yeah. Martin. It just hits me in waves <laughs> of disappointment.
3: I think um, my my point was just going to be that they divided the carries, and, and I understand they kind of went through like phases trying to figure out maybe who was the guy when they when they kind of gave up on Doug Martin and moved on to you know Jaquiz and then Jaquiz kind of. Gave up, and then they moved on to Peyton Barber. They just can't seem to commit to anyone, and you know, I I don't know if that's a ringing endorsement in, in any case. I think they brought in Rojo to be the guy. Whether or not he ends up being that guy, it's that's a wonderful question, and and you seem to think not, but I have a little bit more faith in Rojo, and I, I think that they'll be more inclined to give him at least first crack at this job. So if you if you truly think that Rojo is gonna fall on his face, then then yeah, Peyton Barber could be an interesting kind of backup. And again, we're talking about sleepers, so of course one of these these lower-tiered guys is just going to be like an injury or a benching away from like an RB1 status. You know, guys we talked about in that minigame at, at the front of the show. So I get it. I get it. It's just – it's not – I look at it, it's just like gross. You know, it's like a, that could work, <laughs> but it's gross. And it's kind That's of why hard I prefaced feel. it by saying I'm yeah. not excited about <laughs> Peyton Barber, but we're talking about sleepers. Exactly. So i got to
2: bring up guys that – we're not uh we're not all in love with so that's that. I'll tell you one thing though, the Bucks will definitely not be eating any W's early on in the season with uh mm. Winston not there. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be a rough few weeks with them, uh early on.
3: All right. Well, that's uh yeah, that was gross. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> let's uh let's kick it over to Jen. Jen, I wanna hear about uh a sleeper that you have, someone Absolutely. that we uh haven't talked about yet.
1: I think I'm gonna give you somebody that you won't necessarily think is gross. I I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Corey Clement is who I'm gonna talk about on Philly tenth round ADP. So um, compared to who we've been talking about, there's a little bit more draft capital involved with him, but definitely worth it in my opinion. He's actually down. I looked. It's only a few spots. He was in the ninth and now he's in the tenth in half PPR. But last year we really saw as the year progressed them give him, him more opportunities. And then obviously capping it off with that epic four reception, hundred yard, one touchdown Super Bowl performance. I mean, amazing, right? And there's and not research, kind of like this. Oh yeah, I
4: know, Woo! right?
1: <laughs> but there is this kind of unspoken. There's no research or whatever. But a guy ends a season on this kind of a hype. We hope he brings that momentum through. There's definitely been other people in the past that have done that similar thing. But I'm not. I'm not riding just on that. So. Ajayi will definitely, he's the favorite to leave the backfield. I'm not saying he's not going to be. Sproles is back. I'm not negating the fact that he might have a role there, but he's 35. They both have injury issues and concerns. Ajayi with his knee. And last year, he got 208 touches. So I'm not necessarily worried about if they want to give Ajayi these touches. They want to give him a lot. They want him to be a lead back. I still think they're going to involve Clement just like they did last year at the end of the year and give him an opportunity. And he doesn't, he's shown he just doesn't need many touches to be able to make something happen. And so we start there and there's plenty of touches to go around. Blunt is gone. So that's 173 carries that is now available to distribute between a who I don't really think should get more than 208 touches, but that's just me. So there's 173 available to get Clement even more involved. And this is a running team with a coach, Doug Peterson, that likes a committee approach. People are saying that Ajayi might take this and be the lead dog. I expect a committee approach. He's, he re-signs Sproles. He has a J He has Clement. I don't think he's going to just give Ajayi all of this and give them the keys of the kingdom and have him run. So that's one thing. I mean, Philly likes to run the ball. They were number six. They were number 10 in rush attempts 2017 and 2016. So they're top 10 in rushing attempts. And I feel like that's going to continue this year. Then, what I really love is the goal line back stuff. So Blunt's gone. And I, want you guys, I wanted to ask you guys because it, I was really, my jaw dropped. So how much percentage of the red zone carries for Philly do you think Blunt got last season?
2: 91. 72. A little
1: high. I was going to
2: say somewhere around 80. 82.
1: Okay, well, now you guys are making it a lot less impressive. Jeez. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> it's 46. Jeez.
3: Well, you had us going. You, you hooked us. I we were know, hooked and sinker but I, on like, there. I you know,
1: I thought 46 was kind of amazing, but it's the 11th most um, out of all the okay. teams. The 11th most red zone touches last season went to LeGarrette Blunt on Philly, and he's now gone. So ask me if I'm concerned about a Heat, I'm not. They gave him literally – I think when I looked it up, it was under 10. Different places have different things. But generally, they didn't give he the ball in the red zone. I think we all know that. And he had one touchdown the entire season. Can we also just acknowledge that? So I'm not worried about it. Clement is someone that in the 10th round, for me, the upside is kind of – it's there. He can When he gets the ball, he gets the opportunity. He makes He makes what he can with it. And I think even the touchdown upside itself is enough to take him there. So – Clint is somebody in love is strong. I think I think we're kind of like, you know, on like a fourth, fifth date. It's looking good. I really (laughs) like him. You know, I could see it heading down that road, but he has to do well for me this season. I'm not going to say in love yet, but definitely not gross like we've been talking about. He does not. (laughs) I don't detest him. I kind of like him. And I think he could really, really give uh, fantasy owners an upside this season late in the game. I do.
0: I think he maybe might have be like a potato with pepper and salt, you know.
1: <laughs> butter. It's a little butter. bit of player you to
3: it. have it's to add little butter too. A little bit
0: butter.
1: The red zone is the butter, no, but, I feel. No, butter
3: was butter was Laguerre blunt. That was the butter. Oh,
1: <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um,
4: I, he, I I hate yeah, all the he, Eagles. I hate all the Eagles mm. in fantasy. <laughs> mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say that Corey Clement does not fall in like I don't see any way Carson Wentz matches last year's touchdown rate. I don't see, I think the Alshon Jeffrey is way too risky when you look at his catch rate and stuff like that. I don't think Ajayi is going to get anywhere close to the work that he got in Miami. So I think Corey Clement in the 10th round makes a lot of sense. The thing I think I really greatly dislike about what Philadelphia does with their offensive packages, but like for Clement, is they go, they have a big play that gets them from the 40 to the 10, and they go no huddle and just leave the same running back in. They don't bring the goal line back in. They just run with whatever they have on the field because they're trying to keep the same defensive sub package on the field that they had before. And that led to a lot of red zone opportunities for him. So I don't think like Ajayi is going to steal all the carries inside the 10 by any stretch of the imagination. I think this is a good pick.
1: He's. yes Yes. there it is (laughs) hyping him up (laughs) sorry i can't help it yeah we talked about that
3: off we talked about that off the air how jen just wants (laughs) to yell heath every time because she's a steelers fan so i'm glad that finally came to fruition here on the show
1: yeah heath miller can you hear me all right well
3: tell you what we're gonna do we 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 had a few more guys we're gonna actually loop back to heath here we're gonna give him uh the honorary guest number two uh, position here. So he can go ahead and list off his second sleeper that he has. And then we're going to do another little kind of pick em game at the end here to see how he's feeling about some backfields. So Heath, I want to hear what your second sleeping running back uh, sleeper running back is for this year.
4: And I think this guy's ADP is all over the place, depending on your site. So I don't know what you have there, but Isaiah Crowell in New York, like I, all I hear about him is how terrible the situation is. And how the Jets are always going to be behind, and they have bad quarterback play, and their offensive line isn't very good. That's perfect for him. <laughs> that's always he's ever known. <laughs> like he's been his whole life in he's Cleveland. Accustomed. I can't oh no, there's a back that's going to take the receptions. He can't do <laughs> confidence. Like this is no. exactly what he's dealt with always, and he's pretty much always been better than what his current ADP is. He's finished top 31 all four years. He had that top 14 season when he ran for seven touchdowns. And I don't think we should act like that's impossible. The Jets might run for seven touchdowns this year. <laughs> I think Crowell might get them all. Who knows what they're going to do with Bilal Pal. So I, I've i picked up Crowell in the ninth or tenth round in a lot of drafts. I've seen his ADP in some formats is as high as the eighth. I wouldn't go higher than the seventh slash eighth turn. But I he is another candidate. You mentioned it earlier, Kent zero running back and how this is a guy you might want zero running I was tweeting about earlier we would pretty much decided with the way running backs have performed the last year and a half, last two years, and the way teams are passing, spreading targets around that zero running back was kind of like a novelty and dead. I don't think it is. I think there are enough of these guys, Jamal Williams, Isaiah Crowell, Aaron Jones, Gio Bernard, and we've talked about a lot of them here. You get the guys later TJ Yeldon, Corey Clint think it can work still
1: Carl yeah, is going it, in, in the eighth according to fantasy football calculator and i agree for somebody who's going to, get to be a lead back i he's going really late so i love it
3: he, he's kind of hit that post-hype sleeper status when everyone thought he was going to have a super huge year last year with the improved offensive line and you know offensive talent in uh cleveland and that just didn't really turn out the way that people expected i know i fell for it and uh, I try I try to not be jaded in fantasy football so I, I, I think I could still get behind taking him if the value's right. I think eighth or ninth round uh, would be like you said about the earliest it would ever be. but if he drops any later than that, I'll, I'll take a flyer if he's like my fourth or fifth running back. Uh, something I don't have to rely on that's certainly something I don't want to do is rely on Isaiah Crowell but uh, he's a good guy to have on the roster nonetheless so and I don't yeah, I, I, like, I,
4: yeah. I, I'm not a big handcuff guy. But I don't mind pairing Crowell in the 8th or ninth with Bilal Powell in the 11th or 12th. And then just pray that Elijah McGuire doesn't turn into a good running back.
1: <laughs> yeah,
4: right?
3: I even almost think uh, thought about picking Bilal Powell for this segment, so I'm glad you brought him up him. because he's, I think he's going to have a decent opportunity to just be like dump past King like he was uh, last year for a little while there. So it's the, that the, backfield,
4: the, yeah. The thing is, they didn't... like they didn't really use him that way last year. They were they were just doing it like on a series basis and giving Forte some work in the passing game, Maguire some work in the passing game. And Crowell, show, like he had a 40-catch season a couple of years ago. He's not incompetent at catching that football. I have no idea what the New York Jets are going to do, but I think the odds are pretty decent. Crowell gets 230-plus touches.
3: I think it was just on NFL uh, Channel today, they predicted them at like, or something like that. Like, I don't know how they predicted all... Yeah, they were pretty heavy on them, but... was. I saw that too, Kent. I was like, I don't know about that.
2: Yeah, they had them beating, like, good teams, too. Like, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they were, like, teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Like, I don't understand why they were doing that. I don't know.
3: But... That's a good pick. Uh, we're going to actually kind of roll an audible here. Uh, we we're going to jump through uh, and go straight to that game. But we're actually going to try and get our last four guys uh, thrown out here for you so you have some more running back sleeper options. So I'll jump in real quick, and I'll say that my next one is a guy that we already briefly mentioned in this pod, and that's Doug Martin. And now I don't have a lot of statistical, smart, scientific reasons to like Doug Martin. That third year Who does? thing, that's, that's a bunch of hogwash. That's nothing to rely on um, he's not a good running back. I, I, I don't like him. He, he, he just is terribly <laughs> in it. I don't, he's terribly inefficient. Yes. And I'm giving you him as a sleeper running back, um, option, but frankly, I'm convinced. Yeah. I I I, know, right? I'm, I'm, convinced I'm it. really selling. I'm in. You know, no, this, I'm so this in. is where I, I'm breaking you down to build you back up. Okay. So Marshawn Lynch is, you know, 32 years old and, you know, he came back from being retired and he's, he's always been kind of, you know, never really missed much time, but he's always been kind of hobbled his whole career, and he's he's at, like, 2,600 touches or something absurd like that. Uh, it's, it's feasible that he doesn't finish the entire season. And, you know, he really only did well in, like, a short stretch at the end of the last season. And whether or not they continue going with him, I'm not really sure. They did have, just have an offensive coordinator changeover. Uh, they dumped a temporary guy, Todd Downing. They brought in Greg Olson. And so... You know, Greg Olson actually doesn't. He I'm convincing even more. He doesn't have an illustrious career as far as leading running backs either. So, I think this season could start off a little bit slow, especially considering the first four weeks they're going against a very tough schedule in in terms of uh, defense against running backs. So they have the Rams, the Broncos, the Dolphins, who are actually like sneaky good against the run, and then the the Cleveland Browns, who were very good against the run last year with a lot of young talent and could be even better this year. So. Rough early season, offensive coordinator who's bad with running backs, and Marshawn Lynch being old just is like a perfect, terrible whirlwind to Doug Martin getting starting duties. And, and the, the, stu- the staff there have already said that he's been impressive in OTAs. How he's been impressive, I have no idea, but he apparently is. And so there, there's like an off chance that he ends up leading this backfield if Marshawn Lynch can't get it done for an entire season, which is, I think, very, very possible. So that's kind of my weird reason to take Doug Martin.
1: I feel like we're going to they be in the upside a... down, right? If Doug <laughs> Martin comes out, I feel like I'm going to be in the upside down. Where if Doug <laughs> Martin comes out of this season and he's a top fantasy football running back. But, what? I mean, wouldn't you know it? That's fantasy football, right? You have to play the opportunity and the possibility, right? I mean, he, has, he showed us he can do it. But then he just kind of crapped out on us. So it's an interesting well, situation.
4: And his best game ever was against the Raiders. So maybe it's something about the uniforms.
3: There you go. Uh,
1: Right? Um, What else do we have to go on? I love it. I think it is. I I, I think it's much. I pretty much admitted
3: that there's really no reason to do it, (laughs) it except for all of those awful reasons I just gave you. So (laughs) please, please don't listen to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give you a lot of reasons to not do it, but he's cheap and Marshawn Lynch is old. Ready? Go.
3: That's pretty much it. So yeah. Um, and that's all we really need to say about Doug Martin. Right? I am not gonna I'm not yeah. gonna let you guys talk anymore about him because I've said enough bad things already. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go back to Okada, who I know saved his better choice for a second, so he can yeah. he can kind of make things a little bit better
1: now.
0: Yeah, so I still don't think we've gotten past a potato with a little bit of pepper and salt. Until so now. Here Yeah. Here is a little habanero pepper for you guys, all right? Naheem Hines. If you listen to our Rookie Running Back episode, you know I'm on this guy. And I'll reiterate some of it uh, for anyone who's joined us since then. So they took him in the fourth round this year. They didn't have to invest that much. He's an undersized guy, so he's not going to be a uh, superior lead back. He's not going to be a 250 carry guy ever in the NFL. We can agree on that. That's just pretty much fact. He's 5'8", 198 pretty much uh, for reference. Having said that. He's a 4-3-8, 40-yard dash runner. I believe he was the fastest running back in the Combine this year. He was literally a track star in college and also started as a wide receiver and in the return game playing for NC State. So with the ball in his hands, if he gets in space, he's gone. Now, as far as the roster there in Indy, they really don't have a clear-cut starter right now. Marlon Mack has been something of a disappointment. I don't really have much faith in him. There's actually another guy that we might hear a little bit about in a second, uh, who is decent, and and we'll let Bets talk about him. Uh, but even if he does take the main role, I think Heinz is going to be on the field in a pass catching, uh, third down sort of uh, role. So, and then in the receiving game, they've got T.Y. Hilton, and then a bunch of Jags, pretty much Chester Rogers, uh, Ryan Grant, who couldn't pass a physical. Um, so there's Maybe a lot of. Oil. A couple tight ends, yes. They have some decent tight do ends. Do not and besmirch the name like the of Eric Ebron. <laughs> I like Ebron, actually. I do like <laughs> Ebron. Um, despite, again, not having much good reason to from a production standpoint <laughs> over the years. Oh, no. There's plenty um, of good
3: reasons. We'll talk about that later. Well, maybe we'll get to
0: oh, that. Yeah. Tight ends, yeah. No. Oh. Uh, okay. Andrew Luck, I think at this point, and i, I but Betts has mentioned this a couple th- couple times now. He's looking okay. He's throwing without pain. I'm confident that he's going to play this year all year long. I'm drafting him all over the place at his value. Um, And we haven't really actually seen a great third down back with Luck yet. So it's kind of tough to look back at his history and see. There's been Frank Gore and Ahmad Bradshaw, 40, 50 target guys. Not really someone like Naeem Hines in that backfield. They have a trash defense, possibly the worst defense in the league. I think many places would rank them so. So they're going to have to put up a lot of offense, which Luck will be able to captain. And, okay, he's not Alvin Kamara. Let's just get that out of the way. But he is kind of a kamara light. He can run between the tackles, or at least he has in college. And he's got pass-catching chops. I'm thinking his ceiling, not only this year, but down the line, maybe throughout his entire career, is something like a Danny Woodhead sort of player. Small guy, pass-catcher, shifty can run. He's a little bit more explosive than Danny Woodhead. Danny Woodhead finished as a number three running back in PPR in 2015. He had over a 1,000 yards from scrimmage and nine touchdowns. Can anyone tell me who the offensive coordinator of the Chargers was that year? Frank Reich. Frank Reich, who is the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts in 2018.
4: So, Do I get
1: another point? (laughs) (laughs) Sympathical. I
0: love it. He's going in the late tenth round. He's actually kind of seen his ADP rise a little bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the red shirts pod. If we're being honest, uh, it's, no, it's, it's, it's really it's has 100%. it really
1: has gone up. People started yes, sniping him from me. It is
0: going up. I was so getting him everywhere t- in June. T- tell your commissioner to start the draft now. <laughs> grab Hines before he gets any higher. But I love him this year in PPR.
3: No, that is that's terrible advice. Don't tell people to draft now. They'll have all their players injured <laughs> once training camp is done in preseason. Best ball. But, go and
1: get him in baseball then. Just, you know, just mm-hmm. go Just I, go bet, get him somewhere. Bets, go pick him up.
3: Betts, you've been you've been quiet over there. You've just been collecting yourself and you're ready to, to lash out here, I think, with your uh counter arguments. Yeah, no,
2: I'm I'm ready to just fight Okada on this one. Uh-oh. No, I'm just kidding. Um I was I was oh, waiting drop! I was waiting for Okada to say that he was ready for Hines to come in and be the guy, um, but I'm I in lockstep. I agree that Hines is going to be an awesome pass catching back, but my argument is is that Jordan Wilkins is going to be the first and second down back that you want to own in Indianapolis. Wilkins um, is a guy who they drafted in the fifth round, so after Hines, but um, he's a running back out of Old Miss, so he's played in the SEC and, and during his senior year he was productive. He played as a three down back, um, putting up more than a thousand yards and averaged more than six yards uh, per carry. So. He's been productive. I like his game. Um, He's got the ability to make guys miss, and he's got a pretty good jump cut laterally. So he's he's quick. He's shifty. Um, And I think that the thing that he has that no one else in the Colts backfield has is power and true first and second down size. So he's 6'1 and 2'16. When you're looking at guys like Marla Mack and Naheem Hines who are undersized, they don't have anyone else there except for Biceps Turbin, um, who I think got suspended again, but he's not a, he's not a threat to Wilkins. I think that Wilkins is going to be the guy on first and second downs, who could be a, a perfect complement to um, Okada's take in Naheem Hines. Uh, I think that the offensive line has been atrocious. We can all agree, but it's it's improved for sure. Um, and actually, I was looking at Pro Football Focus's kind of preseason rankings, and and they had the Colts ranked somewhere. I think it was like sixteen or seventeen. So nothing that's going to be getting you super excited but they're not as as bad projected wise as they were last year and so um if you can get a a first and second now back in the offense in the 14th round uh you know why not
3: gotcha so do you you think he has any chance to outright beat marlon mack
2: or does it do actually you
3: do okay
2: yeah i do and i actually agree with that i think that when the season opens week one he's going to be the starter
1: you wow. think he's going to open the season the starter? You think he's going to beat do. out Marlon Mack in training camp?
2: That's pretty bold. Yeah, hot take, I think hot, yeah. hot
1: take. <laughs> yeah,
2: not, 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 as hot as uh, what was the pepper that you threw out there, habanero. The habanero. habanero. It's pepper. not as hot as that. Um, maybe it's a jalapeno, but it definitely, <laughs> uh, right. it definitely is a hot take. And and Marlon Mack's just a guy that. He, He's when just you watch a him play last year, He just tries to bounce it outside every single time and it works once every eight carries, but it's just not efficient and it's not going to work. So I think that the Colts offense of, of minds will see that and they're going to want a guy who can um who can be their first and second down down workhorse. So I believe he opens the the season as a week one starter.
3: Hmm. Very interesting. I like mm-hmm. I like the the go between between Hines and, and Wilkins. That's a good good uh good Comparison there, so Jen, let's hear your last sleeper. This is the last one on the list, so it's going to be a good one, right?
1: Sure. No, I do. I do think <laughs> it's going to be a good one. I'm not going to go much into it because I think people are already looking at him a little bit, but they're not drafting him. So look, I don't know what you would make on that. Mine is Spencer Ware. So he's widely available <laughs> at the end of drafts, going in the 14th round and half PPR. Um, probably undrafted in most leagues in general, but primed for the starting role in 2017. And that's if you want to expand on the PCL and the LCL, if you want to talk about that, I know it's not a good thing. He was out uh, for this full year, but, and they were, and and the coaching staff has been tentative in their statements about him and when he will come back and his timeline and, and that, but, he has been there's been videos that surface that he's ready. He's been doing some limited work. I do think he'll be I don't know if he'll be a full go in training camp, but I do think he'll have some sort of limited role there that will give us more confidence. I don't I I don't think that I have as much concern as some do that he's not going to be ready week 1. So for me, this is a guy that's going to be ready week 1. He showed us what he's capable of 2016 14 games, 214 carries, 921 yards, three touchdowns, and three, 33 receptions for 447 yards and two touchdowns. So he ended that year as a number 15 fantasy RB. So we know what he's capable of, but of course we all know Cream Hunt's there. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about a guy that I think has standalone value. We have yet to see where and Hunt play together. I mean, Ware was set to start, then they drafted Hunt, then he got his shot, and clearly he took advantage of it. He has a hold of that backfield. But I do think they're going going—they're going to try and incorporate Ware. They're going to give him a shot this season. They're going to give him carries and see what he can make of them. And I think people were even concerned with his health issues. Would he make it? Would he get cut? There's Williams times two there. You know, we've got Damian, who I'm worried zero about, uh, and Kerwin, who I'm also not – not that worried about. So for me, the Williams aren't concerning me. Sharkantrick sure, West is still there, but he got 20, I think it was like 28 and 26 receptions the past two years. He's going to stay in the same role. He's going to get 26 to 28, you know, receptions out of the backfield. So I'm not really concerned about that. I just think that he's going to get enough opportunity to work and see. I don't know like how much but I mean, isn't that what we're talking about? It's fourteenth round. You're not investing anything. You're investing in a guy that could have standalone value, that has definite handcuff value. And if Hunt goes down, they already were prepped to have him as the starting court, uh, the starting quarterback, the starting quarterback. Yes, that's that's what Spencer was going to be. <laughs> we the got starting Patrick running Mahomes, back. Stop it. <laughs> right? I, yeah, I think we're good with Mahomes. I don't know. You know <laughs> who knows? They might sub him in, but. Right, I mean, he was primed to be their starting uh, running back before they would sub him right back, in, right in there. I mean, we don't have to worry about that. And so, for me to get somebody that late that has that much upside and could get you that, it, you're just—it's just a throwaway. So I have him in literally, if he's there at the end, I have him. I have him in Scott Fishbowl. I have him in pretty much all of my best ball drafts. I just don't see the risk in and going for that. And I really don't know why he's falling so far. I understand why people aren't seeing him. Necessarily as having standalone value, how many carries is going to have? How are they going to use him? But at the same time, fourteenth round, it's a throwaway. You can drop him after a week or two if you want. But for me, I mean, that's the that's the definition of sleeper: somebody nobody expects, and then boom, there he is, mid season starting running back for Kansas City. So
3: yeah. People act, you know, like Hunt is extremely safe in his role, and I, I personally don't see it. I think people forget how good Where was uh, when he had the ball in his hand as in 2016. And if let's just say hypothetically he had the same number of touchdowns that Hunt had last year, because the workload wasn't crazy different. It was you know touchdowns difference was the difference in fantasy value. So let's just say hypothetically they had the same amount this entire conversation would be different. We'd be talking about a split backfield and I think everyone would be ready for Spencer Ware to come back and continue working with, with hunt by his side. I don't think it'd be any kind of like, you know, he wouldn't dominate the backfield, but, uh, yeah, we'd be having a different conversation. He was really good. So, uh, I'm, I'm worried about hunt. I don't have a lot of shares of him this year and it's, it's for that reason.
2: Yeah. And before we kind of move on quick, I'll just jump in and talk about his knee injury that he had, um, you mentioned all the CLs, right? So the PCL, the LCL. Uh, most times when the PCL is injured, which stands for posterior cruciate ligament, it's kind of the, the sister to the ACL that everyone knows about. Um, it restricts rotary stability in the knee and also prevents your shin bone or your tibia from kind of like sliding backwards on your thigh bone or your femur, which works opposite of the ACL. So it's, um, it's definitely important for sure. It's just not one that gets injured quite as frequently. And so people don't know much about it. Um, but oftentimes if those are sprained, they're often, you know, let go. And actually Keenan Allen has one of these in his injury history and the year that he came back from it, he put up more than a thousand yards. So he's, um, he's a guy who I think I agree with you, Jen. I think that he'll be ready for week one. I do think he'll be a little limited in training camp, just given that the PCL rehab is, so much slower than the ACL. So um, from a timetable standpoint, he'll have a year plus before he's ready to go week one. I think he'll be there. I think he'll be ready. And if you have any questions about that, just look up a, a video of him on Instagram that got posted today, which I think is creating a little bit of hype. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Sweet Feet underscore training. Uh, it basically <laughs> shows where... Is that him in the feet. sand
1: or is that him on the turf? Because it's him on the turf. There's two um, And he's doing like videos. sled
2: pushes and kind of like sprints and and jumps and all that kind of stuff. And the sled push that he's doing that I'm excited about to see as a physical therapist is the fact that he's doing one laterally. So he's pushing it in like walking sideways, which if your PCL and your LCL are affected, you cannot do. So seeing that and seeing him push, looks like pretty heavy weight. Um, That's enough for me to say he should be ready for week one. Yeah.
1: He seems ready, right? Like he seems there, how they're going to use him who knows, but he's going to be ready.
3: Yeah. I know I like that. He's a good upside. He could be like a TD vulture even. So, I don't know. We'll we'll keep an eye on that. Um, but those are our sleepers. I think there's some good ones in there. Um, low risk, some possible high reward in there. There's definitely some good some good information in there. Guys you can get in Snake Lighten potential running back one breakouts. That'd be nice, right? That's why we're all here. So uh, before we head out of this episode, we're going to do a quick like rapid fire drill with Heath here. Uh, Since he's a guest on the show, we're going to get his expertise on the matter. So basically we're running through a couple of different situations. Um, The first one that we're going to go through is the Green Bay backfield. So we have Aaron Jones versus Jamal Williams versus Ty Montgomery. You have to pick one in, let's say, half, half PPR. You have to pick one Uh, at cost for this season who do you pick and why like a 30 second blurb can you
4: give me your uh your current i don't know what the current cost on any of these guys is because it changed i would assume it changed with aaron jones suspension but i still see a lot of people hyping aaron jones i'm seeing eighth or ninth
3: round on jones that seems too early yeah that does i don't think that's true jamal jamal's eighth round so they're both kind of near each
4: other, and I'll take Jamal Rambler, over Aaron Jones is, is the around same cost. later. Yeah, I'll take Jamal over Aaron Jones at the same cost. And I know Jones was much more efficient on a per touch basis last year, but it says something to me that they wanted to give Jamal Williams the first crack at it, and Aaron Jones is out for the first two games because of the decision he made. So I'm I'm really a little bit confused by the whole Ty Montgomery situation because I liked Montgomery a lot going into last year. I think his skill set as a fast catching back is by far the best of the group, but he he does not seem like a guy that's ever going to stay healthy. Sickle cell scares mm-hmm. the crap out of me. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Sickle cell you know yeah
4: <laughs> Well that, but that's uh?
1: the hard part right? because out of when there, there's these backfield situations and we've talked about this, that a lot of us are kind of like, okay, where's the value? So what's the latest guy going? Because if he gets the touches or he gets the opportunity, then he's going to have the highest upside and we're going to have the less investment. And it's it, that's Ty Montgomery right now. But there's just all these concerns about how they're going to use him. Is he going to be available? Is he going to get injured? You know, he had the opportunity last season, and we just saw that fall flat for all three of them, really. So it's a, it's a tough situation, which is why we quiz you – <laughs> and make you answer I'll, Heath. And
4: I'll, not say, us. I'll say Jamal Williams with as little confidence as possible.
1: <laughs> Love it.
3: Very, very small confidence. All right. Well, we're going to move on to, we have two more backfields that we're interested in, kind of like handcuff situations. So the next one we're going to be talking about is Austin Eckler versus Justin Jackson over on the Chargers. Which one of these guys do you like more? I'll look up their ADPs for you, real quick.
4: I like Austin Eckler more. I think he is the right call. I am not 100% sold that the Chargers agree with me. And that's what scares me. Because there were some comments about how we need to get Melvin Gordon more involved in the passing game. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think Eckler was pretty spectacular um, in that small dose usage. But then they went and drafted Justin Jackson, who I think is a talented back. I'll say Eckler but I'm going to be watching this especially maybe more than most of the teams the coach talk there. And you can get tricked by that, but there were some things they said this off season regarding their backup running back situation and then their actions as well that made me think they don't think as highly of him as I do.
3: Yeah, and I suppose it matters more what they think than than you, unfortunately. Unfortunately. I what you think, unfortunately but yes. it's uh the coach's call after all, so all right, we have one more, one more backfield, and this one now with our news today is a little bit interesting. So we have James Connor versus Jalen Samuels, the new rookie over for the Pittsburgh Steelers.
4: Yeah, I'll still say Connor just because he's got a year in the system. I don't think like there are people saying, "Oh, Le'Veon's going to leave after this year; James Connor is going to be the guy." I don't know that either of these guys. Have the type of upside that I'd be excited about in terms of long term dynasty. But if you're talking about in 2018, who's going to get the work if Levion does decide to take a month off because he's trying to preserve his value for next year, I would absolutely say Connor.
1: They love Connor, they just love yep. him. And mm-hmm. just Pittsburgh in general loves him. So I oh, feel yes. like they're going to give him an opportunity. If Bell isn't there, I think they're that he's going to get the first opportunity. Who knows and what's going to happen, but
4: Right. And he's I think he's kind of a jag, but like D'Angelo Williams is a jag. I think we can all agree. Mm. And he was pretty oh, spectacular right. for three he or four weeks. He rocked
1: it, didn't he? He yes. rocked it. Oh man. That was amazing. Yeah. He was my favorite. Like pink hair with the Oh man, I loved him.
3: So I thought That's that was great. an interesting wrinkle that James Conner is from Pittsburgh. So I think the management might try and elbow, you know, the coaching staff a little bit, and be like, "Hey, this dude spiked our jersey sales. Like, let's <laughs> let's uh, get him on the field a little bit more and see if he can figure it out before we move on to someone else." So I like, think I'd like give him... Mike
4: Tomlin will step on the field in the way of Jalen Samuels to make sure that it's uh, <laughs> yeah, James Conner's job.
1: Yeah, no, way. right?
4: Exactly. All right. Well. That wraps
3: up that. And we also had some awesome running back sleepers there for you. So thank you very much, Heath, for joining us. Uh, We definitely appreciate you coming on the show. Had some good chats. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and let our listeners know where they can find you just in general?
4: Well, there's a couple places now. CBSSports.com is where you'll find my rankings, my sleepers, breakouts, busts. You mentioned the Fantasy Football Today podcast where you can find – You can find that anywhere you find podcasts. Also, over on Sportsline now, I've got my full projections for every position. I've got Dynasty rankings. We have a little more in-depth stuff over at Sportsline.com.
3: Awesome. Yeah, look forward to seeing some of your stuff this year. Thank you again uh, for coming on the show. Real quick before we head out, got to let you know, we have reviews flowing in now. We've been reading one every time, and I think we still have plenty left over that we haven't read yet. So uh, there are a lot of people trying to get in on the Listener League by leaving us a review and letting us know that you did. So like I say every single episode, leave us that review, give us a screenshot, send it to our Twitter at redshirtsffpod, or you can email us at redshirtspod.com or excuse me, redshirtspod at gmail.com. And then I am also being reminded that Heath can be found on Twitter at Heath Cummings SSR. Is that correct? Uh, yes, Heath Cummings yes. SR. Heath Cummings oh, I yeah. yeah, I, I, I double, I double uh, said that. So perfect. Okay, so thank you once again for coming on the show. Um, that was a good one. And uh, once again, we are the Red Shirts.
1: Come
0: stuff, y'all don't really want it like that. Yeah, Here come stuff, no, come stuff, no,
4: come, come stuff, y'all don't really.